Hello and welcome to the Learn Chinese Insights podcast, brought to you by ChineseLearnOnline.com, your progressive online Mandarin course. In each episode, we interview someone who has learned Chinese as a second language to find out how they learned it, and more importantly, what they're doing with that language these days. In this episode, I'm happy to have Alex Parker. Alex, before we begin, can you give us a short introduction in Chinese, and then we'll go from there. Sure. 你们好,我叫巴黎线,或者Alex Barker。我第一次去台湾是去年2015年的时候,我之所以去那边是因为我想去政治大学在木栅台北。在那边我学了国际关系,然后我去当实习生。在实习的时候,我去面试很多不同的 公司,而且當了好像記者的類似的責任,所以我我最近回美國來,然後我明年要開始上班。Okay, good. So you said you you came to Taiwan last year? Yep. And and started learning Chinese? Well, I assume you've had learned some before. Yeah, I, I took uh, classes uh, at uh, Jiangxi University, and mm-hmm. um, since then, and, and, and after that, I started working at this uh, in internship at okay. the American Chamber of Commerce. So, pri- so prior to that, you had you learned Chinese before? Yes, I had. So I actually, start, yeah, do you want me to talk about just my experience learning Chinese? Sure, like what, what got you interested in the language to begin with? Yeah, so I first started um, getting interested in Chinese a few years ago when I did an internship in Shanghai in 2012, and I couldn't speak any Chinese back then. But um, basically, I kind of realized that this is a very valuable language to get involved in. And so um, when I went to college the following year, I started learning Chinese. And so this, this, sorry, this internship was in, in what field? I was in an architecture company, actually, because at that point I was kind of interested in architecture, but I ended up not really going that down that field. And um, so when I was in Shanghai, I just kind of started kind of trying to pick up some Chinese, even though it wasn't very successful. And it wasn't until I was back in America that I actually started learning Chinese for real. And when I was in Taiwan, I think my Chinese progressed quite a bit. So when you started learning Chinese back in America, like what approach did you take? So um, it was a college course, and it was a fairly small course since my school is roughly 1,700 people. So I had a lot of um, kind of standard exercises working through a textbook led by a teacher, and it was definitely fairly grindy. Like, I didn't really enjoy the work for a long time until I start started being able to kind of piece together sentences in Chinese. It wasn't really very enjoyable. And... Um, I, I would say it was still fairly necessary, though, just in terms of the kind of practice and the diligence you need in order to just start memorizing characters and kind of laying that groundwork for more conversational Chinese later on when you actually travel to a Chinese-speaking country. So outside of class, did you have any place where you could practice what you had learned? Um Unfortunately, not really. So that was kind of the funny thing. Since my school is so small and was located in a very rural part of the United States, there weren't really many Chinese speakers around. So essentially, I was restricted to just speaking with my teacher 
and on occasion with one or two Chinese international students at my school, but there weren't very many of them. Um, as a result, it took me quite a while, I would say, to make any progress with Chinese. And I think that's why going to Taiwan was such a valuable experience for me in terms of progressing my um, my Chinese. So when you came to Taiwan, uh, how good was your Chinese at that point? Um, I was, I would say, fairly conversational, but definitely lacking a lot of vocabulary necessary to, to be more professional. And when I was at Zhengzhou University, I decided to actually take a class in Chinese, like not just a Chinese class, but an actual like normal content course at the university with Taiwanese classmates. And it was on conflict management. And it was definitely very challenging to be in that course where so much of it went over my head. But I would say that kind of immersive environment was actually really useful in making me just progress a lot faster to the point where by the end of the semester, I was able to kind of engage in conversations with some of the other students. And that was fairly rewarding. So in that class, were you the only non-native Taiwanese person there? Yeah, that's correct. Oh, wow. And how did the the other classmates accept you there? Were you kind of like a novelty or did they treat you like anyone else? I think I was probably a little bit of a novelty, um, given that, you know, it wasn't a huge class. It was around 30 people and there was just one American kid there. <laughs> so I think they definitely found it a little interesting. And I also, I mean, it was a funny course because the professor was very, very much sort of a hardline KMT guy who would say some kind of, um, you know, problematic things or things that <laughs> the rest of the students might not necessarily agree with. And then if and when I was able to contribute to those conversations, it could be a lot of fun. Oh, interesting. Now, when you had learned Chinese in the States, uh, was it using Simplified? Yeah, so my school did only Simplified, but I decided in my sophomore year that I really wanted to go to Taiwan because I had a few Taiwanese friends from my uh, high school days. And so I started self-studying traditional characters. And a lot of people said that it's going to be really difficult because they're so much more complicated. And I actually found it to be the opposite case. I really, to this day, I still much prefer traditional oversimplified. I think that the radicals in traditional Chinese make a lot more sense. And they there's more, I would say, more patterns. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in simplified Chinese, it seems to be a bit more arbitrary mm. in some cases. And yeah, as a result, I, I've, I think that it's much easier for me to memorize uh, traditional Chinese characters. So when you were learning in uh, back in the States, you also had to learn how to write? Yeah. And so in this, in the Taiwanese university, you, you were able to use those skills? Yeah. So the funny thing is that some, maybe you've heard of this, but a few classes actually, even though, um, like, so a few classes in Taiwan, even though they are in Chinese, will often allow students to turn in assignments in English. And so I actually was able to just do that because I would say my writing, even though I can write essays and stuff, is would not be at the um, really at the to the same degree of quality that would be expected from a, a university student. Um, so I, yeah, I actually did turn in essays in that class in English, but um, later on in my job, I did more writing in Chinese, which was sort of um, also pretty valuable. So when you say the quality of your writing, do you mean the actual like strokes of the characters or the actual oh, content? No, no. 
I meant the content. Oh, like, the content. So my ability to use more advanced grammar structures. And so typing would be the same. Yeah, no, I think I think my handwriting is is decent. It's certainly prob it's certainly gotten a little worse. I would say in the last year since I I very rarely have to handwrite anything. I'm almost always just texting in Chinese yeah. or writing on the computer. But um, yeah, I was referring to my um, actual like writing professionally or or academically. Okay, got it. So then you said uh, you started doing an internship. What what kind of company was that? It was the uh, Chamber of Commerce, the American Chamber of Commerce in Taipei. Oh. And, um, so yeah, how, was that, how was that? It was a really good uh, experience. Not only I, did I really enjoy the work, but I also had a lot of opportunities to work in Chinese. Actually, it was almost it, it became very necessary to to use my Chinese in a professional context a lot of the time because what they had me doing was essentially acting as a reporter, and I had to interview people in Chinese pretty frequently. In one case, I was actually at the Taiwanese FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and I was interviewing the Director General who didn't speak any English, and so we were talking about.、Um, Insurance and the the, the single payer insurance that exists in Taiwan, in Chinese, in his office for about an hour, and I ended up using that interview a lot in the article that I wrote.、Mm. So I really felt that by that point,、um, my Chinese was fairly reliable.、Mm. Uh, I think as probably can hear, it's it's definitely like regressed a little bit since I've been back in the United States. But、um, when I was In Taiwan, I think it was、um, a really, really an asset that I relied upon in that job. So that particular job, is that something any Taiwanese person could have gotten as well, or did you have any special skills as a foreigner to to use to get at that job?、Uh, well, it was an American organization. It's the American Chamber of Commerce. So I wouldn't really say that my status as a foreigner was too special there, given that about half the office. Was American, but definitely knowing English was really important because the publications that the organization produced produces are all in English. So, you know, high level English was was necessary to work there, and as was some degree of competency in Chinese. Hmm. So after you finished that, you ended up going back to the states. Yeah. So I'm back. I've been back in the states for the last year,、uh, just finishing my degree at university. And、uh, next year I'll be working、uh, in consulting, which probably will make use of my Chinese a little bit as well. Oh, so what type of consulting is that?、Uh, it's a management consulting job, and、uh, I will probably be interfacing at least a little bit with some clients which are located in China. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have the the benefit of of being able to speak Chinese. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's funny when you talk to employers in America. I think a lot of a lot of high,、uh, university students these days will study Chinese kind of as an afterthought. Like they'll get a minor in the language, or maybe they'll study abroad once. But for the most part, students here haven't really attained kind of、uh, fluency. Like it's not Chinese is not really something they can rely on very well in an actual kind of business context. And so to have experience using Chinese, not just in the classroom setting, not just on the street, you know, buying vegetables, but like actually in an office,、um, and to to have that on your resume, it was just enormous when I went to look for jobs this year. 
Okay. Uh, so as you said, maybe many people have taken a course in Mandarin, so they put that on their resume that can speak yeah. Mandarin, but yeah. the quality might vary significantly. So That's when correct. you when you put that on your resume and you walk in for an interview, uh, do they believe that? Yeah, I mean, because I can talk about experiences that I've had when I, like, for instance, I went and interviewed people in Chinese. Uh, mm. I, I wrote emails and set up meetings in Chinese with other companies. Uh, this is something that, frankly, most people who say, oh, yeah, I speak some Chinese, they just haven't done. And that's a different kind of skill. Sure. And then how about in your day-to-day uh, -day life, like non-professionally, do you have any opportunity to use Chinese anywhere? Oh yeah, tons. So since I've been in Taiwan, I you know I had a relationship with a girl who was Taiwanese, and the relationship was pretty much all in Chinese. Um, and then I have a lot of Taiwanese friends who I still keep in contact with, and that, and all those discussions are pretty much, um, I would say, maybe ninety percent in Chinese, and that's something that is definitely helpful for um, my reading and writing comprehension, since it's, it's a lot of it is just over text message, like over oh. line, WhatsApp. Right. Well, that's that's interesting. With relationships, a lot of foreigners who uh, get involved with local Taiwanese, it still ends up being mainly in English. Right. Uh, so it's, it's in some ways, I guess it's nice if you can find someone where it's, it's all done in Chinese. Yeah, it, it was funny. So when I dated this girl, I kind of, I knew that this is really the, the case with most foreigners is that they, they speak to their girlfriends or wives in English. And what I, I guess I was lucky or unlucky depends on how you look at it. <laughs> in that my girlfriend, her English uh, was not very good. She was more of a scientist. And so she didn't really have as much, um, I guess, English background. And um, as a result, we just ended up relying on Chinese pretty much always. And mm. I, I thought that that would actually be really useful for, kind of like improving my Chinese, but I didn't, to be honest, really notice a difference uh, throughout the relationship. I, I found that, I guess, you know, the kind of areas I was trying to improve my Chinese in more were like more prof professional or academic areas. And those are maybe not the types of things you talk about as much um, in a more, in a casual relationship. Hmm. All right. So looking back at the, the, the path you've taken to get to where you are now, uh, is there anything you would have done differently? Um, I would have started with traditional characters, I think, earlier, since they just are what I use a lot more now. I would also... But did you really have I a mean, choice it, for that? Yeah, I think I could have self-studied them from the get-go. Oh, okay. Um, I also, if, if I had had the choice, I would have liked to study in high school, just because I think the earlier you start a language... Uh, just the better you are, especially as I get older. And, you know, there's like some crystallization that goes on in your brain with knowledge. And I think it gets harder to learn a language the older you get. And I, I'm 22 now, so I think I still have some time left, but it would have been nice to start earlier. And I guess these days there's more opportunity to learn it earlier, whereas maybe like, ten, like now, you know, most schools and stuff probably have that option, whereas 10 years ago they wouldn't have. Yeah, that's that's completely correct. And I really do encourage people who maybe the, they have, um, you know, students in, they're, they're, uh, in high school, I would suggest that they explore Chinese as a language. It's very difficult, but I think it can be a pretty exciting language to learn as well. 
And I, I think that the benefits, especially if you continue the language, are just enormous because China is such an important part, or not even just China, the Chinese speaking world is such an important part of our economy and, and increasing our culture. And do you have any advice for someone who is uh, trying to learn Chinese, but in a non-Chinese speaking environment? Uh, do you have any advice for them what they can do to improve their learning? I think the most important thing you can do is learn, especially at the beginning, is learn more like colloquial Chinese, because that's going to provide uh, more of a foundation for kind of integrating higher level grammar or, uh, or or some kind of things that you won't necessarily use that often. And how to do that, right? Because that's like the important part. How do you learn colloquial Chinese? Especially if you're not in an immersive environment. The first thing I would say is you can watch a lot of TV shows. There, are, the, the great thing about China is that most of their TV shows are available online pretty easily for free uh, because there's piracy is just much more common. And so I would say rely, rely on those resources. The second thing you could do is you can, I think there's some like apps, which I actually haven't used, but the, there are basically websites where you can get language partners or essentially meet someone random from a given country. And I have heard of people using these services to just basically have a pen pal or a, a Skype buddy, someone they can talk to in a language of the learning, including Chinese. And I would say if you're really serious about learning Chinese in, for instance, you know, uh, America or the UK, that would definitely be a service I would look into because it's important to kind of just establish some fundamental conversational speaking ability uh, when you're first starting to learn Chinese. Uh, so that's interesting. You mentioned learning the colloquial aspect. Uh, did you have any issue when you came to Taiwan where the Chinese you had learned was in classroom versus what you're hearing on the street? Uh, a little bit, yeah. So one of the things that threw me off was the, um, the Taiwanese accent really has more of a like counting to 10, you know, 十 in, in Beijing, mm -hmm. in Taiwan. is It can be a little bit weird at first. Um, or even like what's the fun is is kind of like what what are you saying oh what's the fun is that what you mean um, yeah they use it interchangeably yeah and and sometimes there are even Taiwanese expressions tucked into the Chinese which I totally didn't understand because it's mm. a, a different dialect entirely right uh, yeah for the most part I found Taiwanese Chinese not to be that totally different from what I had, I had expected uh, in the classroom. Oh, I was just going to say one one thing that I hadn't mentioned, I, I completely forgot to bring this up earlier, is that when I was in Taiwan, I was actually on a few game shows, which were in Chinese. And that was enormously frightening for me because I have a lot of like, uh, I guess you could call it stage fright. Uh, and to be doing that in Chinese was one of the more challenging, probably the most challenging area I've actually had to use Chinese in. And they would basically ask us questions. There's kind of a panel of foreigners where they would sort of talk to us about the, you know either what we what our experiences were like in Taiwan or various aspects of our home country's culture and then we sort of riff about this and, and make jokes and tell stories instead of etc so it was it, I, I, it was difficult for me but at the same time it was an experience that kind of showed me okay well if I can do this if I can use Chinese in this context then I can basically use it anywhere and it was kind of a big confidence booster so did you have any problem in the show, like you understood everything they asked? Um, for the most part, yeah. I mean, definitely, I would say my Chinese was the worst of all the other people on there, most of whom 
have been living in Taiwan for, you know, 10 years or so. This is their job. They go on the show like once a day. And so they're all really, really good at it. Whereas I'm just this college kid who had only been in Taiwan for a few weeks when I first started going on this. And definitely my Chinese was just not the same level. So it was it was pretty nerve wracking, but I I got a lot out of it. And I, I just learned to kind of, frankly, to stop caring as much, to, to realize that mistakes happen. And you know what? You just got to keep going with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your, your time with us. And I'd be happy to forward any feedback people have on this episode to you. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks.